Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of There Is More To It. I am Easton. A quick disclaimer before we get going, and this disclaimer will be with every episode that we do. These episodes are not intended for anything other than educational purposes. I suggest that you talk with a physician if you are thinking of implementing any of the changes discussed in any of these episodes. And again, with that taken care of, we are ready to start episode three, which is part two, uh, possibly of even more parts, depending on how much we're able to get through, of an overview of type 2 diabetes. A few things that were not included in the first part that I do want to make sure that we hit from right off the bat are the symptoms of type 2 diabetes. It's important to know that it actually can be silent for a long time. It could be silent for decades, especially when someone goes from pre-diabetes into type 2 diabetes. There might not be any symptoms. However, once our body is unable to control uh, our blood sugar to a large extent, we do start to see some things that can happen. Now, a few of those uh, could be, you know, increased hunger, increased thirst. You know, it could be someone that is constantly uh, eating that's, uh, you know, polyphagia or their increased urination that's polyuria or uh, polydipsia, which is uh, drinking too much. Those are all uh, terms that you might hear your your doctor either ask you if they're using a little bit uh, too much medical jargon. Uh, But other things, you can see vision changes. You could also notice that, hey, my sores, you know, I bumped my foot the other day and I didn't really feel it as much, but now I notice that I have this wound that's kind of just not healing very well. Uh, Those can be things, especially as uh, we have longstanding diabetes and uh, especially diabetes that is not controlled uh, well enough uh, that you can notice. Uh, So I wanted to to bring those to the forefront. Um, Very rarely uh, does a patient with type 2 diabetes actually present with something called diabetic diabetic, diabetic ketoacidosis. Uh, That is usually found more so uh, with type 1 diabetes. Uh, So important to know that um, individuals can experience symptoms, but oftentimes they're just gradual and and even minimal, uh, depending on the person and depending on uh, many factors. But yeah, it can be silent uh, for a very long time, which uh, leads us to how it can be difficult to identify. And that's why we have different screening tools and that's why we have different diagnostic tools that I think are important that our uh, physicians employ, um, but also that us as individuals, especially if we are at risk for diabetes to um, assess. Uh, Going back to, and I mentioned this in the first episode, that every year the American Diabetes Association creates all these different handouts and again, They are accessible to anyone uh, with an internet connection. Uh, They are free and uh, I think great to at least uh, use to educate ourselves and to take into your physician and to ask questions. Hey, I was reading this and uh, what do you think about this? Uh, A few things that are important to know, um, they have a little risk assessment test. So uh, pay attention closely, especially if uh, any of these categories sort of uh, ring true to you. Uh, and then maybe go into your physician and say, hey, uh, I kind of scored highly on this uh, diabetes risk assessment exam. And is there any possible way that I could have diabetes screening if uh, you have not been screened recently? So one of the biggest risk factors that are used is age. Uh, As we tend to age, uh, diabetes becomes even more prevalent. So uh, 
if you are wanting to do a quick uh, risk calculation for yourself. If you are less than 40, you get zero points. If you are 40 to 49 years old, you get one point. 50 to 59, you get two points. And 60 or older, you get three points. Now, gender is also a risk factor. So men tend to develop diabetes a little bit more often than women. So if you're a man, one point. If you're a woman, zero points. Now, it's also important to know that this risk assessment does not uh, take into consideration any uh, transgender individuals. Uh, that is something that I believe the literature is catching up on. And uh, one day, the different risk assessment tools, I think, will uh, employ that and uh, possibly use that, especially as uh, people are using gender-affirming hormones. That could also play a, a different role, but uh, definitely more studies need to be done on those individuals. So uh, continuing on, if you are a woman, uh, have you ever had gestational diabetes? That is, again, a huge risk factor. So again, if the answer is yes, one point. If the answer is no, zero points. Uh, and then a first-degree relative. A lot of people think of type 1 diabetes as the one that has a strong family history. And while it does, type 2 diabetes arguably has a stronger family history. So if you have a first-degree relative, meaning your parents, your siblings, or your children with a diagnosis of diabetes, again, that is one point. Um, if none uh, if none of your family members that are first-degree relatives have diabetes, type 2 diabetes specifically, that's zero points. And then high blood pressure, again, if you have that and are especially being treated with it, uh, one point. And then uh, if you do not have high blood pressure, zero points there. And then physical inactivity also plays a role there. So if you are physically active, zero points. If you are not physically active, one point there. And then another thing that uh, plays a role is your height to weight ratio, also known as your body mass index or BMI. Uh, so the uh, larger our BMI, that could be up to three points. If our BMI is kind of in between, that can be two points. And if our uh, weight um, is fairly neutral um, or just barely overweight, that's usually one point. So uh, you can look that up online, uh, but usually if you have a score of five or higher, uh, it is important to be screened. So let's talk about uh, the different diagnostic tests that can be used and what they really measure. Uh, so there's different criteria for the diagnosis of type 2 diabetes. Uh, this would be a fasting plasma glucose uh, and fasting usually means that you haven't eaten for at least eight hours, anything that has calories um, of greater than or equal to 126 milligrams per deciliter of glucose in your blood. So uh, that effectively is a measure of the sugar in the blood. And if it is elevated, uh, that is important to uh, realize and to know. And that can definitely be diagnostic for diabetes. Uh, another one. Uh, is if you have a oral glucose tolerance test. So usually you take a 75 gram, uh, very sugary uh, drink, and then uh, they test your levels at two hours. And if that level is greater than or equal to 200, uh, that could be diagnostic for diabetes. Uh, your A1C level. So A1C is a measure of how much your hemoglobin is being changed by the blood sugar. Uh, so at elevated amounts, more of our hemoglobin uh, 
get changed a little bit. It's uh, through, it's called non-enzymatic glycosylation. It's where just, you know, sugar tends to kind of prop on to our hemoglobin. Our hemoglobin is found in our blood. And it is usually found in our blood, even at low levels of uh, glucose, uh, but at an elevated amount, our hemoglobin A1C tends to increase. So if you have a A1C of greater than or equal to 6.5%, that again is diagnostic for diabetes. And then going into uh, another uh, slightly sometimes controversial way is if you have a random glucose. So let's say uh, you're having those symptoms of hyperglycemia. We were talking about like increased thirst, hunger, even up to the point of weight loss, um, have vision changes, that sort of thing and you have a glucose level greater than 200, again, that is diagnostic for diabetes. Uh, so continuing on, uh, it's important to know that all these things play such uh, a role in the diagnosis of diabetes. And for uh, us to know how prevalent diabetes is, uh, it is extremely important. So uh, in 2018, uh, the CDC put out numbers that are roughly 34 or more million Americans uh, have type 2 diabetes. And of those 34 and a half million, uh, over seven didn't even know it yet. Uh, they've also put out uh, more recent numbers that 84% of people that have prediabetes, and the next episode will go into prediabetes more, do not know that they have it. And as we talked about earlier, diabetes can be a silent disease. It's important to, to realize and to assess ourselves and to take that risk assessment. That's why I wanted to spend the time and actually walked through that is if you're at risk, especially high at risk, I think that it's reasonable to, to go be screened is to go and to, to see where your levels are at, to see uh, how well your body is responding to its own insulin and by doing so, and we're going to hit this into the upcoming episodes, uh, it's possibly reversible, especially if you're only in that pre-diabetes uh, realm. Uh, you can prevent the progression of type 2 diabetes, and a lot of it is through lifestyle changes. And again, those are in upcoming episodes. I, I hope that you can take the time and, and maybe even view some of the references uh, that are provided um, lower um, into the episode description. Um, and that's what I want you to think about. There is more to it than uh, what meets the eye. Uh, and a lot of times uh, there isn't much that meets the eye with uh, type 2 diabetes, especially or pre-diabetes. So thank you very much for listening. And I look forward to having you for our upcoming episodes.